What's up, everybody? Chef Marcus Samson here. This week, our brother Jetan Diakite is out on tour in Norway and Sweden. So he's going to sit this one out. Thank you for always tuning in to another edition of This Moment, your transatlantic bridge that's connecting Stockholm, Sweden to Harlem. We are committed to telling black and brown tales. This week, I would like to share an interview I did with a young, amazing man, Mike Carter out of North Philly. Mike is the executive chef of a restaurant called Down North, which serves pizza, wings, fries, and shakes. So far, the reviews have been amazing. But what makes Down North so special is its mission. They exclusively employ former incarcerated individuals to help lower recidivism rates in their community. Recidivism refers to an offender's tendency to get back in trouble again. And lots of times that happens because there aren't enough opportunities for offenders to sustain meaningful employment. Mike is one of the lucky ones to make it out. And he was really learning the trade of cooking inside. And since taking up cooking full time, he hasn't looked back. This is a great story. So let's jump right into it. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So, Michael, break us down a little bit the map of Philly because you say West Philly. Yeah, uh, I guess every geographically has its own, like, own uh culture mm-hmm. and West West Philly like the basically the neighborhood I grew up in it was an all black neighborhood uh other side of 63rd Street is a little yep. uh J- Jewish sprinkled in and a little like remnants of Italians and stuff like that mm. but uh, my neighborhood was basically all black wow when I think about Philly right there's several sounds of Philly you know you think about if you go Way back, you think about maybe let's say Pat LaBelle and that type of sound, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then even like the Jacksons came to Philly to do their sound like in the late 70s. And then you think about in the 90s, the Neo Soul, of course. The Soul Aquarius. Yes, and all the rappers and D'Angelo, of course, that came out of the Neo Soul, you know, Music Soul Child and all of that stuff. So it's got to be a lot of West Philly in music as well, right? Definitely, definitely. Uh, we influenced uh, the hip hop game real big, from Will Smith to Schooly D to uh, Cool C. Mm. We had uh, some of the the first gangster rappers. You know, they they cite uh, Schooly D with the PSK as the first gangster rap to ever come out. So, wow, wow, He's wow, right up the street. So, mm. so tell us a little bit, Michael. Like you're coming up as a kid in 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 West Philly, and at thirteen, fourteen your life takes a major turn. What happens? Yeah, my mother, uh, I wasn't getting along with her and her uh, boyfriend at the time or whatever, and I left the house. She kicked me out, so 
after that I was at my grandmother's and it was kind of like no rules, like no holes barred. So mm. Mm. I was outside, as you they say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and so who became sort of your coaches and mentors and, you know, like learning from how to navigate at 14, 15 on the street? Uh, it was kind of like a, a, a free fall. I was just outside taking advice from people that really didn't care for me now in hindsight, you know what I mean? And I had, of course, you know, like that, uh, the gangs taking uh, the people that don't have nobody to love them to stand a third. So, you know what I mean? I wasn't per se part of like a, a known gang to stand a third, but my block is my block, you know what I mean? And that's the people yeah. that I was running with. Yep, 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 yep. And now, I mean, fast forward, you're running, if not the most successful, but one of the top pizza shops in Philly. So it's all good now, but the journey between... 14, 15, and now it's it's a lot. So where did you learn cooking? Uh, I learned cooking basically since I was a kid. My father's side of the family, they have dinners all the time around all holidays. And on my mother's side of the family, we have family reunions and cookouts all the time. So it was just, I seen the men cooking all the time around the grill. So that was a big part of wanting to be there with my grandfather and my uncles and stuff like that. And what about pizza, though? Because, I mean, the, what you know for now are pizzas. And um, I remember when you and I talked, you told me, like, when you were inside, when you were in jail upstate, you learned how to make pizzas. You learned how to make pizza from ramen noodles. Yeah, <laughs> so those yeah. are just two different cultures yeah. clashing. Definitely, definitely. Uh, the person that showed me, uh, this guy named Baker, I'll never forget, was at SCI Camp Hill. We were sellies. And... He showed me how to make basically my dough. And he used ramen noodles and saltine crackers. So I switched it up to Cheez-Its. <laughs> smart, smart. Yeah, because I get some more, a little cheesy, a little, add a little flavor, more flavor. And uh, basically uh, three ramen noodles, you got to crush them up good. That's that's the that's the whole point. You got to crush them up, like basically to the point that they're powder. Then, yeah. crush, your, then crush your cheeses up to the point that they're damn near powder. And got it. put them inside of a chip bag. You know, okay. like one of those big chip bags, like chip bags are so important to jail because, wow. yeah, because that's what we cook out of, whether it's a chichi, a stromboli, uh, a quesadilla, like these are all names. Of course, they're not exactly how they would be if you no. got it on top of a planchier or something like that. But in there, yeah. that's all we got. The chip bag this is very important. So you put it inside your chip bag, add a little water until it gets uh, 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 valuable and then flatten it out and leave it under your bunk for about anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how stiff you want it to get. Yeah. And and that's your base right there, man. And you could go with anything. Of course, they don't sell pasta sauce, or they didn't in it before. But I used to do like a mix with a uh, barbecue sauce and a little bit of this uh, uh, salsa. They sell yes. salsa on the commissary. So I used to mix the barbecue sauce and the salsa. And whatever little seasons I stole from the kitchen, you know what I mean? Because they say it's still, and I just call it commandeering stuff that I need. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so what? So the salsa was the topping, yeah, and then that's whatever the sauce. Cheese. Yeah, that's the sauce, and then we had something called squeeze cheese. So squeeze cheese would be, uh, I guess, like a Velveeta type of liquid, liquidy, liquid gold. And you got block cheese yes. too. The block cheese, you got to shave that down. Uh, like they have these little yes. mirrors, mirrors in prison that you could uh, well, got a magnet. Well, they don't give you knives, of course. You know what I mean? You could make your own. But course, you could just yeah. crack one of those in half, and it has a sharp edge. And that's what you shave. That becomes your knife. 
So you shave down your wow. summer sausage and your cheese blocks, and that's how you end up getting it. And did you see so you got really good at this? So did you then sell them, or did you just have was for you and your selling? Yeah. Like yeah, it started out as a thing just for me and my sully, but it would always get around whatever block I was on. Like people always knew, like, "Hey, yo, man, I heard you the boy that make the pizzas, man. How much for, for you to make me a pizza? Have them get all the ingredients and then charge them like ten dollars or whatever." Oh, you got ten inside? That's a lot of money. Yeah, once you the man, you the man. You know what I mean? Because it's a lot what? of time. It's a lot of time that goes into it. You know what because I mean? and plus, let's, and plus let's, the, yeah, let, but let's let's stack that up because if you work a whole shift inside for a day in the kitchen for example what do you make in a day oh man if you're just getting up there going into the kitchen you're making 19 cent an hour 19 cent an hour so basically an hour so yeah. basically you can make a dollar and a half buck 50 a day basically yeah. right and yeah. you're making you're getting ten dollars you're getting a week's salary <laughs> for a pizza yeah. that's amazing good hustle the, man the average person that uh sells uh pieces or, or that is able to even afford a pizza uh they're not really relying on the kitchen you know what i mean it's, yeah. they got money coming in from outside either either you're gambling or you might have your own hustle in there you know what i mean you you might be a a, a beast on the cards you might be a, a, a artist in there you know what i mean like it's all different type of ways to make money because you got to make a living in there mm. can you walk me through the emotions you when did you get inside the first time i got hold of you uh the first time i went away for a long time i was 16 i sat for i had i got sentenced to four years and i sat for 30 32 months before i came home i came home when i was 19. did you once you got up there and it's upstate uh uh pennsylvania right yeah this was in new jersey from 16 oh, jersey. to 19 i was in new jersey and then from uh i came home on when I was 19 and less than a year, I was home and I was upstate in Pennsylvania mm. for seven mm. to 20. So give me through, walk me through. Okay. The, the good news, the good and the bad, right? Did you know people inside? Did you feel like, okay, if I hang with these guys, there's safety, like walk me through the good and the bad. Well, if you, I feel like a lot of people don't understand, like it's a conditioning with the system. Like once they, once you enter that juvenile system, it becomes real easy to be there because it's like you get kind of seasoned to be in jail. So mm. I would say like most jails are the same. You know what I mean? Mind your business, do what you got to do. And you know what I mean? Just don't take no shit. Mm. So uh, it wasn't never an issue of being scared. But when I did, uh, uh, I seen things that I didn't see before. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, but a lot of the times people choose what they are. Like people at the news I had, you believe that people just randomly get shot out here in the world. No, most of yeah. the time they, they were into something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what got them shot. So like, it's the same thing with jail. Like if you hear about somebody getting stabbed or somebody being a victim of a assault or something like that, they probably put themselves in that predicament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you had this skill that you can actually cook, right? Was that something that you pulled up early on? and said, okay, I got to, I, I got to, Time's got to go by, or how did you? How early did you start cooking inside? Uh, dang, I've been cooking inside since I would say like my first bit, like that sixteen wow. or nineteen. I was cooking because like the kitchen becomes a way of survival in jail. Because if you don't have a lot of money coming in, mm-hmm. you automatically can make a living in the kitchen by stealing. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or I'm gonna so, I'm gonna call it smuggling. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? so yeah. Uh, yeah. So you can make sandwiches, like sandwiches they call swags. So like, <laughs> say, uh, say dinner tonight was chicken. Yep. Chicken sandwich. So okay, I'm gonna put twenty pieces of chicken to the side as soon as I get downstairs. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna debone them and everything while I'm down there, and then I'm gonna get some bread. I'm probably run like forty pieces of bread through the toaster. Yeah, and I'm gonna get some cheese and some lettuce and some tomatoes, and I'm gonna put together these swag sandwiches. I'm gonna wrap nice. them up, nice. and more and more than likely, like I may get all that or put all that chicken to the side because I had access to the chicken, but yes. all that isn't mine. So I may be taking ten of the sandwiches myself. And the other 10 sandwiches I might have to give to the people down there that was watching my back, mm-hmm. looking out for me. And those are the ones that they're going to sell. Tax. So once you hit. Yeah, exactly. So once you hit the block, you know what I mean? You get you smuggle them back up because it's a crazy thing. We used to wrap each other up like <laughs> like I, I wear like a weight, a weight training belt. You know what I mean? Yes. And yeah. I'll put the sandwiches on me, plastic wrap my situation to put the weight training belt on. And we're taking turns like, all right, that CO, he's patting down a little crazy. Let's try to get to this one. You know what I mean? So like yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. somebody will step in front of me and they'll take the nut CO and yeah. they'll let me go to the easy guy. And he'll just pat me down and let me go off to my block. And then as soon as I hit the block, I got sandwiches, $5 a piece. $5. So the swags, pizza are 10, swags are five. I see. I mean, you're making, you're making cash in there. You're making cash. Uh, you got to survive. What else was popular item that you turned in? Like, okay, so we got chicken sandwiches, we got pizza. Was there anything else? Did you make pastas in there, or what else could you do inside? Oh man, I, it's, uh, uh, the pasta dish would be a chichi. That's what. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's a famous thing. But I didn't create everything from quesadillas to I got a, a, another way. Uh, I take the ramen noodles, right? You open yeah. up a pack of ramen noodles and you keep it whole. You you basically got to open it up ever. So, you know, like how you perfectly open up a bag of chips without ripping yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you open that up and you mm. add a little bit of water inside of the bag. You fill the bag up just enough to get the noodles uh, malleable. Yeah. And then you pull them out of the, you pull the whole noodle. Cause if you, if you ever open up a bag of ramen noodles, you see it's, a, it's folded over. Yeah. Okay. So now you pull that noodle out. Now it's not soft, but it's able for you to work it. Now we open that up. You spread your cheese on the inside and then you put whatever meat you got. You put that on the inside of that and then you put it back inside of the bag, right? And now you close the bag up with a rubber band and you drop it inside of the uh, the stinger, which is which would be a water circulator, uh, mm-hmm. a sous vide out here in the world, but we got to make it out of an extension cord. What? No, so stop. You, Hold on. You yeah. had a sous vide inside, basically? Yeah, definitely. That's how you cook when you're in chair. That's amazing. You, yeah, you t- you got to get an extension cord. You take some fingernail clippers, right? And then you got to find a, find a ground. My favorite ground is like a piece of plastic or like an eraser, like a pink eraser. Mm-hmm. You put that in the middle between the two fingernail clippers that you yes. already then hooked to the cord. And then you put a rubber band around that. You drop that inside of a... a inside of a water basket and you mm-hmm. got it and you got a water wow. circulator a little baking soda because salt will basically uh, uh rush your wires and you got to keep on running through extension cords but baking soda that's the key like a baking soda in jail is gold it's gold yeah yeah yeah, yeah. because you could run your stinger for months wow. without killing your extension cord yeah so also what i hear when i hear this is the inventiveness right like you guys 
you, you're in this situation, you got to make the best out of it. You got to look out for one another and look out for yourself. And you also the inventiveness. Like you could cook anywhere at this point. Like I could cook in the most fabulous kitchen, but you can really truly cook anywhere. And I <laughs> admire that so much. And, and as you're doing this, right, the idea of then when I come outside, when I'm done with this, I got to, I got to start cooking on my own, right? Like what, what was your plan, planning in there? Uh, when I first came home in 2013, I went to the rest, uh, uh, first of all, before I got locked up for that seven and a half to 20, I was registered to go to the restaurant school. Like my mom had went with me and I registered and then I got locked up. So when I came back home, I'm like, okay, cool. I still want to cook. But the restaurant school, uh, that kind of cost a little more than the Art Institute. So yeah. I said, I'm going to go to the Art Institute because my PO gave me a choice. He said, get a job or go to school. Yes. Well, at this time, I still had a little bit of the street in me. And I'm like, eh, mm. fuck that job. I'm going to just go to school or whatever. You know, they say get a couple of dollars. And I was basically hustling while I was at school. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. I basically, I always knew I wanted to cook. Like it was either cook or do what I used to do. Uh, those are the type of ways I knew I should sure, get money. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And and you're out of restaurant school, and then eventually, how? Tell me about North. Tell me about the pizza joint joint right now. How did you guys start it? Tell me about the building. Tell me about the whole process. How you have this policy where you hire people that has been incarcerated, which is such an important piece. So tell me a little bit about the spot right now. Okay, when it comes down north, you got me, I'm the chef behind, I'm the creative behind the food, and then you got Muhammad Abdul Hadi, like he's the visionary really up down north. He's the owner, like he's the guy that basically knew he wanted to do this and he just needed me. And we had a mutual conduit that introduced me to him and I became like, basically, I fit all the criteria. I mark off all the checks, like for being at Down North, I could cook. I'm formally incarcerated. And I'm very uh, uh, aware of mass incarceration and what it's doing to my uh, community. Hmm. And uh, basically, we just came together. And after that, we took off. Like, I didn't know that we were going to take off like this. I just looked at it as a chance for me to actually do something. Cause like a lot of people during COVID, they were out there protesting and pumping their fists in the air. And I don't believe in none of that shit. I, I believe that nothing happens from that. Unless you put pressure, apply pressure, nothing is going to get done. So like down wow. North was my, my demonstration wow. per se. We like basically proved like 50 best restaurants in the country in the times, uh, Bon Appetit head of table, uh, Craig Levine's top restaurants in Philadelphia, yes. Philadelphia magazines, uh, best square pies. We did all this within yes, a couple of months. And it's this like proof that if you hired a formerly incarcerated, which are already, most of these guys are already looking for a second chance. Yes. I didn't, I didn't work for, I didn't work for next to nothing before. Mm. So what make you think I won't come out here and, 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 and work hard if you hire me at your establishment wow. when I used to get pennies on the dollar? You know what I mean? So like, it's kind of yeah. like our, this is, this is my protest. This is my demonstration. right? Beautiful, here. Beautiful. Can you walk me through also, how did you, cause you just didn't get the building and starting Norse right away. You did pop-ups or you did different ways to yeah, get, uh, tell us how you got and, the ball rolling. Yeah, in November of 2020, we started rolling out pop-ups. 
basically uh we just invited like an exclusive amount of people like probably like 15 to 20 people each time we had them come to the shop and we started rolling out like our little menu and after that we started doing pre-orders because at first we didn't we wasn't even uh, selling them we were just having people come through like yeah this is what we doing yeah. but then we started doing like limited pre-order uh doing like 50 50 pizzas like a sneaker release yeah and <laughs> it took off like wildfire and by the time march came uh muhammad is like fuck it we're just gonna open march 19th and i'm like yeah all right cool well, before we get busy, because I like people don't understand how hard kitchen work is. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people don't understand that, and they don't know what it's like to actually lift four pa- fifty pound bags of uh, flour by yourself into the mixer, then pull it all mm-hmm. out, cut and weigh it. They don't know about all that. So I was a little burnt out. So I took a week for myself. I went out uh, California. I visited my friend and my brother uh, out there, and then when I came back, I mean, as soon as I came back the next day. I made the dough, and then day after that, we opened. You started, you started, yeah. you started. By the end of 2020, there was over 1.8 million people incarcerated in America. Every year, over 600,000 people are released, but more than two-thirds of them are re-arrested within three years of their release. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you talk about mass incarcerations in Black community, it's one of the biggest pandemic that we have in this country. When you're inside, living in, in the neighborhood that is constantly targeted, what were your three options growing up, right? Like, it, you're not left with a lot of options, right? Yeah, uh, really, uh, I knew a lot of men in my family worked for the post office. Like, they were formerly, uh, they went to the, they were in the military or vets, and the yeah. post office was, like, one of the only jobs that was hiring Black people where you could make a decent living. Sure, sure. You understand? So like like how I ended up like locked up out of New Jersey was because my grandmother over here was like, look, you can't stay here no more. You're in the street too much. I went to go live with my grandma over there. Mm. And my grandma over there had a house because her husband worked all these years for the post office and he moved his family out there in like the late 70s. Or yeah. yeah. But uh, it was the post office or I had my other grandfather who on the other hand, I watched him. He was kind of like a Renaissance man. I watched him. Mm. He was a butcher. He was mm. a cook. He was a truck driver. But in the years that I grew to know him, he was the numbers man. Yes, and he, of and, course. And, 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 and he had a speakeasy, but he always had a bankroll. You understand? So I was like, eh, do I want to work for the post office or yeah. do I want to be around like him? Like, Because it's like, it's not too many choices given to us. Mm -hmm. out, out here and you know like what they say sports drugs and entertainment like that's mm -hmm. that's it mm -hmm. and i just was like i don't want to work for the post office yeah <laughs> so yeah. i had to make a living somehow but like a lot of what's going on in our community is like if you put poverty in a bunch of people i don't know if you ever but you've been to philadelphia so of course, you see how people. you see how closely packed the blocks yeah. are and how tight it is if any given uh that's a that's the perfect recipe for people to end up getting locked up and violence and all that type of stuff. So that's still right there basically creates this, uh, it plays into the system, mm -hmm. which always needs people in that state hotel. You know, it was yeah. real estate. We got yeah. a lot of the, uh, Pennsylvania was, uh, you heard of Penn's oil. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It was an oil ca uh, capital of the country at one time. It, uh, mm -hmm. it was the capital of coal, steel. Yeah. Well, sure. guess what? None of that shit is around anymore. Wow. Yeah. So all these jails that Pennsylvania has are all in these little towns where the industries died. These jails are in Albion, Pennsylvania, and yeah. Greene County, Pennsylvania, and Cole Township, Pennsylvania. Yeah. You understand? They're these basically they're keeping middle America alive. They're keep, they're making a yeah. middle class out of people that would have nothing if there wasn't a jail in their town. Wow. And they're, the people that are running the jail, actually, that are keeping it moving are getting 19 cents to a dollar an hour. I'll say a dollar an hour. That's if you pass a certain clearance and you get like a maintenance job. It takes years to get a maintenance job. Wow. You know what I mean? But we're talking about people that are master plumbers. They could come and fix your whole building, rearrange everything, but they get a dollar an hour. Michael, I want to ask you, um, you guys are still just in the beginning and you're building it. Where where are you guys going? Is it is there a program where you guys will go back to jail to speak to the inmates, or is there a program where you will open more pizza stores so more people can jobs? Where are we in two years from now? In your between you and Mohammed's vision, where do you what would you like to be with North twenty four months from now? A uh, funny thing you said going back to the prisons to talk. I just got invited to SEI Chester. Yes. Uh, 
to go and speak to uh, some guys on a special unit. And the crazy thing about it is, like, because I'm on parole, I have friends that are in there. You know what I mean? Uh, I spend years with these guys. Like, it's, it's a, I like to liken it to somebody going to college and they have a fraternity. Yeah. I, I can't visit my frat brothers, but mm-hmm. I'm, I've just been invited to go to a prison and talk to somebody uh, and talk to some guys basically about basically taking a different step when they get out here yes. in the world. And a lot of what me and Muhammad are doing, uh, we're focusing on creating jobs for our community. Yes. That's the biggest thing. Like we want to, we want to be the catalyst, uh, 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 focusing on creating jobs for guys returning to society. Hopefully everybody, uh, this sees us like trailblazing this path and we want everybody to start hiring formally incarcerated. Like the post office is hiring formally incarcerated now. Yes, it's crazy. Yes. yes, yes you know yes. I mean, cause nobody wants to work nowadays. And this is something that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of these different employers are lowering their standards. I can't mm-hmm. say lowering their standards. They're no, taking no, these, I got uh, it. Cause I don't I like that word. No. Yeah. You know, words mean something. <laughs> I mean, I don't want them to lower their standards. They're basically, uh, 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 accepting the, uh, applications now from guys that are formerly incarcerated. So like, that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, we're definitely, uh, talking about expanding down North, but not in Philadelphia because mm-hmm. it's a North Philly in every city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, we definitely looking to expand and just do more, uh, uh, hands-on action with the community. I don't know if you're aware, we had a free lunch program that we ran all summer. Nice, nice. You know nice. I mean, off of, uh, we big on the Panther principles, like taking care yeah. of the community. So we ran a free lunch program because the government free lunch program just gives out sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, that government cheese sandwich and stuff like mm-hmm. that in the milk. We no basically, swags, no yeah, swags, no swags. Yeah, <laughs> so what we did was we did a slice of pizza, our pizza, and uh and french fries and, and some handcuffed french fries all yeah. summer for me and muhammad like we grinded it out and we made it happen just to show the community that we're not just here to like trap we here to yeah you know i mean feed the people that's mm-hmm. that's a that's our biggest our biggest thing we are the people that's our our uh our mantra the people's pizza can you explain also for our listener how difficult it is because if i'm coming back let's say i'm coming back home after 24 months upstate how what are the challenges why can't i just get a regular job what are the challenges is it the biggest challenge to go back to the same neighborhood and the same traps that i was working in or is it a bigger is or is it harder to get a job because once i've been incarcerated it's very hard for me to get hired which which one of those are the hardest challenge michael i think once you've been incarcerated it's hard to get a a decent job a decent wage paying job because a lot of people don't want to pay you. They don't, mm. they don't see the value in you and you're automatically excluded. Like mm. if you go to put in the application at Walmart, you're not going to hear back from them. Mm. You know what I mean? It, that's one of the biggest uh, companies in the country. Sure. You know sure, I mean? sure. <laughs> so yeah. it, a lot of that, that's what's going on with these guys. They're coming home and they're putting in all these applications and they might not have the tightest resume because they don't know how to uh, mm-hmm. formulate their resume. But all you, all they know is that they're mm-hmm. able and willing to work. And they come at home. They all they did was work out for the last twenty four months. He's strong as shit. Why wouldn't you want? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want this guy? He's been dedicated. Like the discipline that he showed to even turn his body into such shape that is in right there. Mm-hmm. That's a great something that uh, that you uh, asset to your company. But people are just not hiring. They're looking at these guys mm-hmm. like they're uh, uh they're forgotten 
You know what I mean? Is there yeah. somebody that coach you? If you got six months to go, is there somebody that coaching you how to write a resume or how to even to apply to job dress code? Because obviously our restaurants in Overtown in, 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 in Miami, but also in Harlem, right? I see a lot of guys coming back in Harlem, for example, they, they come back from Rikers Island or upstate and they're just being dropped in Harlem with a piece of paper and maybe 20 or $40, nowhere to go. No. And I was like, no one has guided this young man to what's the next step, you know, and they dropped them in Harlem. They're not even from Harlem. Why would they know how to go to the next step? But it's like, you can tell also no one's guided them. Like this is how society works outside. And, right? And that's the system. See, the system is working. This is why it needs to be, uh, we need to break the system. The system is doing just what it's supposed to do because you would think they would have re-entry programs that would help people out yes. with housing, that would help people out with writing resumes and stuff like that, but they don't. Wow. And if they and if they do, that's a resource to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I got a lot of guys like uh, the Juvenile Lifers. The Supreme Court just uh, found a cruel and unusual punishment to give life without parole to uh, people that uh, were juveniles when they committed their crime. So it's a lot of guys, it's a group of guys that came home from prison. They were in there for years and they have their own group where they're search, seeking out resources. You know what I mean? They came mm-hmm. together basically and formed their own group. If they didn't have that camaraderie to come together to stand a third, they'd probably be lost out here. Yeah. And some of them still are lost out here. So a lot of what's going on is we got to take a look at the funds that are being spent and whether they're being spent to do the things that they say they're doing. You know what I mean? It's no checks and balances because it's mm-hmm. all about money in the end. Like I just, uh, uh, you're, you're probably not familiar. I, I did, uh, WHYY just did an article on me. Nice. And they came through and they, the day after that Bon Appetit Heads of the Table Award came out, yeah. Thursday, my PO called uh, Muhammad and said he was looking for me. And by Friday, I was in a parole office. Now we're talking about me. I'm the ideal parolee. I'm the yeah, poster yeah, child for yeah, good yeah. parolees. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in Bon Appetit. Like, what you talking yeah, about? Yeah, but, yeah. Didn't yeah didn't with me the night the, the night exactly, before. Is, 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 exactly. I can vouch for you. <laughs> but but then you got me. I'm uh. They told me I had a stipulation from my, me being reparole in 2017 that I didn't finish, and then I have to go to an outpatient drug program. And I'm like, why do I have to go to an outpatient drug program? And they, you know what they said? And use your insurance. You know what? Because it's about this. This is what it's all about. Money. money. So that W, I told the reporter from WHYY about that. Because she was asking, like, what's it like for somebody? Somebody returning to the uh, society, they have to live in the shadows. If I see the police, I go that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they're this way, I go that way. Because any police contact leads to me going back in jail. Somebody can mug me. You know what I mean? And I, I punch on them. The police say, all right, here, I'm holding the guy, but you're on parole. You're going back to jail too because you should have never hit this guy. Wow. So that's what's wrong with the system. So this lady wrote this article and she called and asked the parole board, basically, why does Michael have to do this outpatient drug program if yes. he has no, no uh, history of, of drugs? And don't you know the next day, me and Muhammad, we were dropping a friend off at the airport. And I got a call from my PO and he like it came down from my supervisor that you you no longer you've been released from the stipulation of the outpatient drug program. Yeah. And I'm like, why did you even bring it back to me anyway? It's Oh, it's because I'm talking about y'all to the public. 
Yeah. Is yeah. that is that why you're doing this? Because I hadn't been inside of a parole office in over mm. three years. Mm. Michael, can you also explain like, you know, you come you came back home, but you, in this you choose to go the right path and it was positive. You, Muhammad, and all the guys that were around you. It's thin ice. You could have gone the other way too, right? What do you think inside of you said, you know what, this is the last time I'm going up here. I'm not doing this no more. What was, because something must have been with you. Like, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. What, what was that? Something clicked uh, in 2015, February 2015, I was arrested. I was in a car with a friend of mine. He happened to be white. And they found a gun in the car and they said it was mine. Well, it was an unregistered pistol, but it wasn't stolen or anything. Yeah. And they just automatically, he didn't say it was mine or anything, mm. but they they looked at my name and it had to be mine. So wow. I was violated because of this. And I sat for 27 months. I had a paid lawyer because I had money for a food truck that I was saving up. I told you I was going to the yeah. Art Institute. Of course. Every single penny of that, that, that money that I saved up, 15 grand from my down payment on my food truck went towards my lawyer. Mm. And I still couldn't get out of jail for 27 months because I was on parole because the officer in the case was shot in the line of duty. Not by me. I didn't mm. have anything to do with it. No, but, no, they no. Kept, but they denied me due process in the courts only because I was on parole. Wow. So when I came back home, even though that was the shortest bid I ever did, that 27 months, it was the hardest because my daughter was born a month after I got locked up. Mm. And I'm back out here and I'm like, dang. I grinded all that money up just to give to a lawyer. And now I'm back out here. What am I going to do? Mm. When I first came back home, I started selling drugs again. And then mm. like a month of me being home, I was like, I don't have it in me to work this phone anymore or do all this. Like, I don't have it in me anymore. And I just was like, fuck it. Yeah. I saw, I went application after application out and I was working restaurant to restaurant until I got to a restaurant that I ended up sticking to for like two years. And then the pandemic happened and mm. I was in position at this restaurant. I was mm. in position like everything was going good. My bills were paid. My daughters was loving me. Nice. And the pandemic happened and the, this opportunity down north was presented to me. And I was like, yes, yes, this, this is, is it, it right here. Wow. This is it. Well, we salute you, Michael and Mohammed as well, because you guys are doing super important work when you're in Philly go and check out or order out from uh, down north and uh, just follow. Michael, where can we follow you on Instagram and all that stuff? What's your handle? At CoolHandMiz, C-O-O-L-H-A-N-D-M-I-Z. Because we want to follow the progression and we're so proud of you. And I would say you are absolutely one of the most important people we have in the food industry because you're actually part of a solution of something that is really, really big. And you're an example. And you're really the standard of this. And we, I can't say enough how important what you and Mamba are doing. And I hope there's programs similar to this can happen in every urban area because they're needed. You know, they're really, really needed. Uh, that food truck's going to come back up. We, you can name it after your daughter or after your hustling grandpa, maybe after hustling <laughs> grandpa, it's a little bit, you know, you know. But uh, whatever you need, we're here to support you and post and just highlight your story because it's su super important. We we appreciate everything. And like I said, check out Michael Carter or go to uh, down north in Philly and get a slice. Why not? All right. 
Peace. Thank you, Chef. Thanks Thank for you so me. much. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And I'm, in about five years, I'll be ready for Top Chef. You hear me? Give Whatever. me a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Special thanks to Mike for sharing his super important story. It's truly fascinating to hear about his journey from the prison system to becoming a successful executive chef and really looking out for people and give them a second chance. Whenever you're in Philly, run, go and check out Down North Pizza. Catch you next week, guys, for more amazing tales from this moment. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 